Hello, and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. Let's have just a brief prayer. We'll look look at God's word together for a few moments, all right? Father God, we thank you for the sunshine today. We thank you for your preservation and your help during this kind of challenging weather week that we've had. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity to gather again to worship and honor and praise you, to boast and brag about who you are and all that you've done for us. We ask, Lord, that we would look, as we look at your word today, that you would enlighten us through your spirit. Amen. You know, um, most of us find it difficult to be around people who boast and brag about their accomplishments, right? And the late heavyweight boxing champion, Muhammad Ali, he somehow got away with it, didn't he? Um, I mean, he, he raised boasting to an art form. And uh, he made it entertaining. Here, here's a few examples. I'm not the greatest, I'm the double greatest. Not only do I knock them out, I pick the round. I'm the boldest, the prettiest, the most superior, most scientific, most skillfulest. Don't think that's a word. Fighter in the ring today. Wow. It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. There you go. All right. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. His hands can't hit what his eyes can't see. Little little poetry there mixed in with the boasting. And the last one might be my favorite. I'm so fast that last night I turned off the light switch in my hotel room and was in bed before the room was dark. Now, that's, that's some boasting, isn't it? Um, and in addition to being a, a great boxer, uh, Muhammad Ali knew how to market himself. He knew how to market the sport of boxing. And his boastful statements got, uh, got people interested in boxing. Lots of people who would otherwise have no interest in either Ali or in boxing whatsoever. Well... What on earth does Muhammad Ali and boasting have to do with the Bible? And Paul's second letter to the Christians living in Corinth. Well, perhaps more than you might think. Boasting is one of the dominant themes in chapters 10 and 11 of 2 Corinthians. You know, when you boast in something, uh, be it yourself or someone else or something else, it means that you take pride in or you have confidence in uh, whatever you just boasted in or about. Uh, you know, the, the overarching mega theme of uh, 2 Corinthians is this idea of being cruciform, living a cross-shaped life. 
And when you and I resemble and reflect Jesus in our actions, in our attitudes, in how we treat other people, in, in how we live out our lives uh, each day, we're, we're being cruciform. We have a, a cross-shaped life. And being cruciform, even, it even impacts what you take pride in, what you put your confidence in, what you boast about. Okay, so... As we've been learning, Paul had a he had kind of a difficult relationship with many of the Christians in Corinth, even though he was their spiritual father. Most of them had become followers of Jesus through his evangelistic ministry some years before. But as a group, they were still very immature spiritually. And they were still in many ways, more Corinthian than Christian when it came to their values and their morals and just their understanding of the Christian life and, and also what it, what it meant to be cruciform. So after Paul left Corinth, a group of so-called Christian leaders and teachers arrived. And uh, they did everything possible to undermine Paul's influence and impact in that congregation. And they boasted a lot about their credentials and their accomplishments and their spirituality. And like Muhammad Ali, they were, they were champion boasters. And uh, what's interesting to know is that in Greco-Roman culture in the first century, it expected leaders, even spiritual leaders, to toot their own horn. And so most of the Corinthian Christians, uh, they, they weren't offended by all this boasting. I mean, probably you and I would be, but they weren't. And, and how these rascals, these false teachers presented themselves well, it was just kind of culturally acceptable to those Corinthians. And in fact, when, when Paul wrote about God's power being best seen in and through human weakness, through his weaknesses, many of the Corinthians just kind of scratched their heads in bewilderment. What, what, do, you, what do you mean, Paul? What, what is that about? Well, in the interest of time today, we're, we're going to read just parts of chapters 10 and 11. But I want you to notice the theme of boasting and how often the word boasting shows up in what we're going to read. So uh, if you would, get your Bible out in whatever form you have it today. And uh, we're going to go, first of all, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to begin reading there in verse 12 and read through the end of the chapter. And then we'll look at some verses in chapter 11 as well. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10 beginning at verse 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you, we are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that 
as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will, be great, will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, for we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. All right, now over to verse, or chapter 11 rather, chapter 11, I want to pick up Paul's thought beginning at verse 13. And right here, you get Paul's very definite opinion about these false teachers, okay, beginning in verse 13. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Verse 16, I repeat, let no one take me for a fool, but if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone, often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Verse 30, if I must boast... I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father, the Lord Jesus, who is to be prayed for, praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aratos had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Wow, what's going on there? It's interesting, isn't it? You know, um, whenever we read scripture, it's appropriate to ask these questions. How can I apply this to my life today? Um, what, what difference does this make in how I live out my faith today? 
And this passage that we just read, it really helps us to answer two questions. Here's the first one. What's wrong to boast about? What's wrong to take pride in? What's wrong to boast about and what's wrong to take pride in? Well, first of all, it's wrong to put my confidence in my physical appearance. Now, Paul alluded to this in a verse that we did not read. It's right there in chapter 10, but we didn't read it. It says this, for some say, he's, he's quoting somebody there in Corinth, for some say Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he is weak and his speeches are worthless. Okay? Now there's, Paul knew what people were saying about him. And all the available evidence points to the fact that Paul as a person just did not make an impressive or particularly attractive physical appearance. You know, and in, in Greco-Roman culture, a person's physical appearance was considered to be very important and, and really necessary if you wanted to be considered a, a leader and make a good impression on folk. And, you know, people haven't really changed that much even in 20 centuries. Um, very attractive people or those who can somehow project authority and clout or charisma, they just, they just get noticed more and they inspire more confidence than those who don't. But we need to be reminded again today that our, our physical attractiveness or lack thereof uh, has no standing before God. I mean, I mean, God made that clear way back in the Old Testament when he selected David to replace Saul as the king. Remember what, what God said to Samuel, the prophet? People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay? Now, folks, don't misunderstand. This, this doesn't mean that we should just care less about our physical appearance. I mean, there's every good and every biblical reason to make the most of what you've been given, right? Um. It simply means that, that physical appearance, either my own or someone else's, is not something that you and I should ever take pride in. It's, it's nothing ever to boast about. All right, moving on. Then it's also wrong to put my confidence in my background. Now, uh, this is pride in or boasting about, well, things like your ethnicity or the family you came from or... What social group you've been born into? Paul wrote here, and, and we read this, but whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again, I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. So that implied that these false teachers were ethnic Jews who suggested that just because they were Jewish, I mean, the Corinthians ought to be listening to them. I mean, they took real pride in their Jewish heritage. I mean, they believed that they had been born into this chosen race and they were in a place to provide spiritual knowledge simply because they were physical descendants of Abraham. And again, folks, we need to understand the culture. In that day and time, it was assumed that you could only ever be an exceptional person if you were born into the right kind of family. 
I mean, nobility only, only surfaced in those who were well-born or, you know, rightly born or never among people who had uh, humble beginnings. So now in this place, Paul suggested that if these men wanted to brag about being Jewish, then the Corinthians should remember that he was no less Jewish than they were. But in other places in the Bible, uh, Paul made it very clear that your background has no, makes no difference to God. I mean, God loves all people, and he will work in and through anyone who's surrendered to Jesus, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of what family you were born into, regardless of what social class that you, are, that you have come from. And in another place, to Christian Jews and non-Jews, here's what Paul wrote. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. Racial stuff, doesn't matter. Slave or free, social, where you are in the pecking order, doesn't matter. Male and female, even gender stuff, doesn't matter to God, okay? For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So your background is not something to take pride in. It's nothing to boast about. Well, moving on. These two chapters underline the fact that it's also wrong to put my confidence in my natural abilities or my learned skills. Again, Greco-Roman culture in the first century uh, put a premium on rhetorical skills like eloquence, oratory, persuasive speech. And if you were a speaker or a teacher, folks, you were expected to put on a show. And um, wh what did Paul say about that here? It's in some verses we didn't read. He says, but I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach us such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge, okay? So you see, apparently these false teachers considered Paul to, to be inferior or deficient as an orator. And Paul, you know, he admits right here that he hadn't been trained in public speaking, but so what? Um, what mattered was having a correct knowledge about God. That was more important than being a great speaker. And, and Paul had no interest in amusing or entertaining or using persuasive arguments to convince people about their need for Jesus. Instead, he, he depended on the power of the Holy Spirit to convince people about uh, the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection and their need to receive Jesus as Savior. And so in the Christian faith, what matters is not style but substance. Now, again, folks, that's not to suggest that your abilities and your skills are unimportant or that they shouldn't be developed or they shouldn't be used. Of course they should. It's just that they aren't something to take pride in or to boast about. So these chapters also reveal that it's wrong to put my confidence in my successes or accomplishments. These, these false teachers were apparently bragging and boasting about 
how many visions they had received from God, how knowledgeable they were about God, how many followers they had. And, and what's interesting is that Paul was particularly irritated by the fact that while these men wanted to be recognized as great spiritual leaders by the Corinthian Christians, they themselves had done nothing to evangelize these people or to get the church started. I mean, Paul was the one who did that. And, and then these false teachers had the gall to undermine Paul and try to get the Corinthians to disown him. So you can kind of read this between the lines. What does he say? He says, we will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. Dig, dig, dig. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you, nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Dig, dig, dig. And so we can be thankful to God for any and every success or accomplishment that we receive in life. But, but, but who gets the ultimate credit? Is it God or is it me? And if God is the one who makes us successful in life or gives us the ability to accomplish certain things, well, those are never things then that we can take pride in or boast about. You know, these chapters help us to sum up wrongful pride or boasting. It's always wrong, folks, to promote or put ultimate confidence in myself. And Paul, Paul mentioned that specifically here. He says, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant! You know, again, in the first century, it was very common to compare yourself with other teachers. That's how you attracted new students. That's also how you attracted their money that they'd give you for teaching them. And you were expected to, you know, advertise and praise yourself publicly while casting doubt on the, uh, on the qualities of your competitors and boasting in and about yourself was considered honorable. And, and by the same token, a person's race Upbringing, education, status, physique, accomplishments, or, or lack thereof, were all fair game in sizing up yours and your rival's merits and standing. And Paul said that that kind of evaluation had no place among Christian leaders. Oh, and by the way, it has no place among Christians at any time, for any reason, for that matter. He went on to explain why. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. You know, I think what Paul was saying there is that when, when, when you have to promote yourself and explain to other people why you're so special, it, it all gets to be rather pathetic, doesn't it? And at the end of the day, what, what matters is if we get the Lord's pat on the back, not whether we pat ourselves on the back. And, and what matters is to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
not whether we congratulate ourselves for a job well done. Now, now, now again, folks, let's understand this correctly. This isn't about having a healthy sense of self-esteem or knowing that you're a person of value before God. Of course you are. You always will be. This is about giving credit where credit is due. Does God get the credit or do you get the credit? The fact is that people are, they're going to promote and they're going to commend themselves until Jesus returns. But promoting and commending yourself instead of God has no place among God's people. So, boy, if anything, resist the temptation to promote yourself. And folks, don't ever, ever, ever follow a spiritual leader who promotes or commends himself or herself. That ought to be a big red flag. It's the wrong kind of pride. You've heard of pufferfish, right? Cute little critters. Pufferfish can inflate into a ball shape to evade predators, also known as blowfish. And uh, these uh, clumsy swimmers have a way of stretching their stomachs with huge amounts of water and sometimes air and blow themselves up until they're several sizes above their normal size. But, you know, these fish aren't just cute. Um, most, Most puffer fish contain a toxic substance that makes them foul-tasting and potentially deadly to other fish. And the toxin, it's also deadly to you and me. Did you know pufferfish toxin is 1,200 times more deadly than cyanide? Uh, There's enough poison in one pufferfish to kill 30 adult human beings. Wow. And there's no known antidote. So let's not have any for lunch, right? Like like pufferfish, human beings, we, we can blow ourselves up with pride and arrogance to make ourselves look bigger than we really are. And this pride, folks, it can become toxic to a marriage, to a friendship, to a church. It's no wonder the late Bible scholar John Stott once said, pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. That's biblical. So if that's the case, can pride, can pride ever be a good thing? Yes, absolutely. That's what's interesting. Let's think about this together. What, what's right to boast about? What is right to take pride in? You see, it's actually right and good to put your confidence in the right person or the right thing. It's right and good to take pride in or boast about certain things. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 11, now granted, it's a little obscure to be sure, but it's definitely there. There is a proper, a good, a right kind of boasting that should never be omitted or shunned simply because sometimes boasting is done for the wrong reasons. You know, I hope you noticed this, but, but Paul did something kind of sly and ironic here. You see, on the one hand, he adopted some of his enemy's tactics by talking about what he had accomplished for Jesus. 
what he had endured in his ministry while at the same time admitting that it was completely foolish to do that. Did you catch that? Such boasting is not from the Lord, but I'm acting like a fool. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. And then he went on to describe how hard and faithfully he had worked for Jesus. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, have faced death again and again. On the other hand, what Paul mentioned as his credentials, his accomplishments, uh, his achievements, his successes, wasn't your typical list, either then or now. Did you notice that Paul said nothing about the number of people he brought to the Lord? He didn't talk about the number of churches he started. He didn't mention the number of miles that he had traveled to spread the gospel. He didn't sell his books. He didn't uh, say how many of his letters would end up being acknowledged as God's inspired word and become part of the New Testament. He didn't, he didn't share here about any visions that he had received or how much money he had raised for those starving Christians in Jerusalem. None of that. Instead, he took pride in whatever revealed Jesus' power through his suffering, his setbacks, his disappointments, his weaknesses. Now, I want you, we, we read this, but I want you to look at this again. Listen to Paul's list of successes or accomplishments, okay? Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I, I have faced danger in the cities and the deserts and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. You know, when we read that 20 centuries later, it sounds pretty impressive to us, right? Wow. But here's the thing, folks. It would have sounded doubly foolish to Paul's enemies. Why? Because they thought all those things disqualified Paul from being a great Christian leader. And here he was boasting in them. He was taking pride in them. Well, so, so what can we learn from all that? It is right to put my confidence in whatever reveals Jesus' power more fully in my life, even my weaknesses. Hmm. I mean, if you want to boast, boast about what Jesus has helped you to endure as you follow him. If you need to brag, brag about how Jesus' power is revealed in and through your weaknesses and your failures in life. If you want to feel pride about something, take pride in how Jesus has sustained you 
and blessed you and used you to help build his kingdom despite all the setbacks, all the humiliating experiences, all the tough moments in life that has come your way. I mean, isn't that what Paul do, uh, is doing here? And he said, he said right there, if I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Huh. And, and then it's interesting, he goes on to describe how he was, when he was a brand new convert, he had to escape the king of Damascus by being lowered from a window in the city wall. Well, why did he share that right there? Because, you, folks, hiding in a basket and being led down by, over the wall wasn't something with great, someone with great power and influence would do. That, that humiliating, undignified experience was, was an early snapshot to Paul of what, what God had for him in the years ahead. But it was also proof positive that he was Jesus' true servant. And so what, what Paul was trying to get through to those Corinthians is that suffering, not success, was what authenticated his ministry. Suffering, not success. And he boasted in his weaknesses, not in his strengths, because they revealed the all-sufficiency of Jesus. And folks, we have to appreciate what radical thinking, what, what counterculture way of thinking this was back then in Paul's day, and of course, in many ways, for us even today. And Paul was expanding on what it meant to be cruciform, to have a life that is shaped by the cross of Jesus. And folks, it still, it still flies in the face of today's, you know, resume-obsessed culture which still, which still, which still worships physical beauty, pedigree, credentials, intelligence, success, accomplishments, just as much as people living in first century Corinth. And as odd as it may sound, there's a, there is a good kind of pride or boasting. It's in whatever reveals Jesus' power in my life, even in and through my weaknesses. You know, what Paul said here was a unique way of getting around to a very basic but very important truth about a good and a right kind of pride. It's right to put my confidence in Jesus alone and what he's done for me. And maybe the, maybe the most important verse in these two chapters is a very short one. If you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. And Paul was quoting the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah when he wrote that. And that passage in Jeremiah is worth hearing. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. And so Paul, you see, he knew it was ridiculous for him to take 
any pride in his achievements or in how many ecstatic spiritual experiences he might have had. Those, those only pointed to Jesus' greatness, not his. This, and this wasn't some kind of false humility on his part. This was reality. Nothing of any spiritual or eternal value is ever produced unless the Lord enables it to happen. So, so why ever take credit for what only God can do in your life or in my life? Well, folks, it's human to boast. We all have done it. Maybe we still do it. But to boast in the Lord is what God's people are called to do. You know, I was thinking about that this week. Do you know that's really what any and every worship service should be about? We gather here on Sundays, in person or online, to do what? To boast in who God is and to boast about what God has done. Our songs brag about God's greatness. How great thou art. Remember singing that? Um, they, they boast about Jesus' love. They boast about the Holy Spirit's power. Our prayers boast of God's ability to meet all of our needs. And we listen to messages that encourage us to place an increased amount of our confidence in this God who loves us and has done so much for us. In just a few moments, folks, we're, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And I realize it may sound a little weird, a little strange, but communion is another way to boast and brag about what Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection, is it not? Isn't that what we're doing? We are proud of, we are thankful for what he has achieved on our behalf. It's an expression of our confidence and our trust in him. And we take good and right and justifiable pride in all that God has done on our behalf. To boast in the Lord is what you and I are called to do. Boy, that's a great verse there. If you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. A few decades ago, the Chicago Bulls were the best team in professional basketball. And that was probably because, at the time, they had arguably the best player who ever lived playing on their team, Michael Jordan, right? Now, for a period of time, they had a, another player called Stacy King. Stacy was just a reserve player. You know, he, um, he played for them in, in the 1990 season. And... Um, he only started six games over that whole season. He played an average of about 15 minutes a game. But he likes to tell the story, and he does this, you'll understand why. Well, he did a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek, but he likes to tell the story of, of his contribution to an amazing victory. Um, 
And he said it's probably the greatest memory that he has in his life. Uh, he and, and Michael Jordan were playing, the, the Bulls were playing in a um, playoff game with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the game went to overtime. The Bulls eventually won it. And um, Stacy King and Michael Jordan combined together, the two of them, for 70 of the Bulls' points in that one game. Well, that's, man, that's something to brag about, isn't it? So, something to boast about, something to take pride in, right? Well, yeah. Well, there's more to the story, okay? You, you see, um, on that night, Michael Jordan scored a career high. He scored 69 points. And Stacy King scored one point. <laughs> but, I, I mean, they... They combined to score 70 points, right? <laughs> so what's the point? The point is this. Whatever successes or accomplishments you and I have in life, whatever achievements we may have in life, um, might even be ministry stuff that we do at the church or out in the community and people get blessed by it and they can congratulate us for it and thank you and so forth. Folks, the only reason that that comes off well because of the Lord. Okay? Um, he's the one that gives us the brains and the talent and, and the skill and the ability, right? He's the one that enables and empowers us for any achievement, any accomplishment in life. And by all means, take all the pleasure and joy in scoring your one point. You should. But let's boast about the 69 points that belong to the Lord. Let's take pride in that. Let's brag about that. Amen? Are you cruciform? Do you have a cross-shaped life? And folks, what we've been learning is, and maybe a little bit, a little bit of a different thing that we might have imagined for today, but, but even how we think about what we boast in, what we brag in, what we put our confidence in in life, what we trust in, even that gets shaped and changed and molded by the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we come to that place as God's people where we put our boasting and our bragging and our pride and our confidence in him and in him alone. Thank you for tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K-A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. 
If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Call Road Baptist Church, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.